It is so right for us to be excited at this time of year when we hear this news of great and wonderful joy. And uh, we've caught a glimpse of it uh, here this morning in the pageant. And this morning, let's uh, take another look and hear again uh, the words of Gabriel uh, to the Virgin Mary. The first chapter of Luke, beginning with the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Uh, This is indeed news of great joy. And it is so wonderful uh, in the Episcopal Church to get a little glimpse of Christmas while we're still in Advent. Uh, And that glimpse is of great joy. I'm not talking about 96.5 Christmas joy that starts at Halloween. Uh, I'm talking about uh, this amazing message, uh, which has been waiting to be told. Uh, Even uh, the, the prophets who longed for it, who foretold it, and even the creation which groans in eager longing for this message of a deliverer, of a Messiah, One who would come and redeem the world. Well, what news is this? And during the season we do, we sing hymns that say things like, you know, the dawn of redeeming grace. This is the great news that all of creation has been longing for, to hear of a Messiah. Great news. The need for a Messiah. And here in our scripture reading this morning, we hear of this Messiah and what kind of Messiah he is and what it is that he will do for us. And here in the visitation of the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary, we hear for the very first time the gospel message in the form that we hear it today. Mary was the first person in the world to hear the name Jesus and to hear what it is that this small baby would accomplish for us and for her. She may not have understood all of its implications, but we read that she heard it and received it by faith. 
She was, in a sense, the first Christian. And when you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, it is abundantly clear what Jesus' mission is in coming to earth. We hear it from Jesus himself in Luke's Gospel. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. In John's Gospel, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And Paul tells us in Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. It is not just the theme of certain parts of the Bible, but all of history points to this moment, the coming of Jesus. And this, the first step on our Savior's road to the cross on Calvary. And here for the first time in history, we hear the angel Gabriel lay it out in concise and clear terms what it, what, what it is that this baby will accomplish. This is a message of great joy. But why is it a message of great joy? You don't have to imagine Mary's response to Gabriel because it's right here for us to read. We read that she was greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She was not particularly overjoyed with the arrival of this angel in his announcement. Of course, if you read just a couple verses prior to his visit to Mary, we read of Gabriel's visit to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And needless to say, it did not go so well. Uh, Zechariah uh, was struck mute until the birth of John the Baptist. And so when angels show up in Scripture, it's normally... Your response is to fall on your face. And, you know, Mary wasn't sitting there thinking, huh, I've heard about these things. This is pretty neat. Glad to be a part of this. No. She thinks, wait a minute. Does this make sense? Can this be real? The Greek word that is translated as these things were pondered in her heart, that word pondered, really means to take a rational accounting of things. Wait a minute. This can't be happening to me. And yet, it is news of great joy. Because in it is the heralding of the gospel. The word made flesh, Jesus Christ, coming into the world to save sinners. This was the Messiah that had been longed for. Jesus says of himself to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it. And he was glad. And Mary is the first person to hear the name of this Savior. Jesus. Which means God saves. Yahweh rescues. There was this deep longing for a Messiah. Because there is a need for a Messiah. Jesus did not come into the world simply to give us a touching story. Which we call the Nativity. He came with a purpose. And that purpose was not simply to serve as a role model that we might emulate him and have an occasion to give gifts and sing songs. He came to save us from sin and to throw open wide the gates of heaven to all those who put their trust in him. And this is not a small task. Because sin is no small thing. Sin is a condition 
Certainly when we think of sin, it's right for us to think of our misdeeds. But these misdeeds, these sins spring up from a sinful heart, which is our condition. And this condition touches every area of our lives. Our jobs, our friendships, our marriages, our relationships with our children. And ultimately our relationship with God. There is not one of us here who has not experienced the effect of sin in our lives. None of us has been able to avoid that feeling of helplessness when we find a situation gone so far bad that we are helpless to deal with it. No amount of work, conversation, not even our greatest efforts will deliver us from the situation we find ourselves in. And because our situation is so dire... And so far gone, the only person that has the power to take away our sin and set things to rights is God himself. And here we have the angel Gabriel choosing his words with the utmost care, saying to Mary, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom There will be no end. Jesus is not just a holy person, but holiness in the flesh. God himself. Gabriel makes this incredible declaration that he who is the most high will be born very low. God's love for us is not an abstract concept that's out there. For our God is the only God in the history of the world. Any other religion, he is the only God who becomes vulnerable. He places himself in a place where he could be harmed, and he was. He came back to he came to earth to get us. So great is his love for us that he came to pay the price for our sins. And this is the message that Gabriel is giving to Mary. A few years ago, um, I was up in Pauly's Island uh, and a friend was in town. And that week, the riptides at Pauly's had been especially dangerous. Uh, Two people had lost their lives that week and they would not be the last two. And so as I stepped in the water with my friend and his eight-year-old son, you know, I thought, okay, riptides, uh, be very careful. But of course... uh, In my innermost being, I was saying, you're young and you're strong, it will be fine. And so as we stepped out into the water, we didn't go that far out, maybe 50 feet. And it wasn't too long before we realized we were in a riptide. And so strong was it that my friend picked up his eight-year-old son and tossed him toward the shore. Now, even though we were only five feet apart from one another and I was a little bit farther out, uh, my friend was able to do what you're supposed to do, right? What do they tell you? Swim parallel to the shore. Don't panic. And so he was able to do that and get out of the riptide, uh, but I was dead in the middle of it. And all that good advice about staying calm and swimming went out the window. And so while I'm flailing and panicking and trying to get out of the riptide, my friend is asking me, do you need help? Are you okay? And I'm sitting there saying, oh yeah, I've got it. Under control. Everything's fine. Until finally they realized his brother-in-law and his father came out into the water. They made a human chain and they pulled me in. And rescued me. 
Friends, sin is like a riptide. We're stuck in it, and we can't get out, and no matter how hard we try, it in fact only makes things worse and makes obvious to us the great peril that we are in. The more we struggle, the greater predicament we find ourselves in. And we say things like, I've got it under control. My life is fine. It's not a mess. Don't worry about me. All the while, we are being swept out away from shore to death. But praise the Lord. We have a Savior who doesn't stand on the seashore, but jumps into the water. And by doing that, he puts himself in harm's way. And as he comes out and he rescues you and me from the riptide of sin, we are set safely on the shore while he dies. He dies so that we might live. And praise the Lord, he does not wait to be asked to come in. He doesn't wait for us to say, okay, now it's time to help. He simply crashes into our world to redeem us in the fullness of time. In life, we need a lifeguard, not a swim coach. We don't need somebody on the seashore yelling to us, try harder. Just focus. Just swim parallel to the shore. What's wrong with you? We have a Savior who dives in and rescues us. Because we cannot get to the shore on our own strength. This is the Christmas message. Emmanuel, God with us. Our deliverer is coming. And when you are in the predicament of the riptide of sin, and you hear this news that there is a rescuer, it fills you with uttermost joy. And you can't contain it. And so you do sing joy to the world because there is a deliverer. And this is the message that we hear from the angel Gabriel this morning. News of great joy that a deliverer is coming. The Savior that we have so longed for is coming into the world. As God dives into the world, so would he also come and rescue our hearts and redeem us for our good and his great glory. Amen.